When we hold on to grievance and pain from the past, we keep ourselves from being able to really move into our fullest expression of self. We need to practice forgiveness from the soul recovery perspective, dissipating the energy and releasing the past for good. If you're interested in this profound transformation, I invite you to join me in Colorado the weekend of June 8th and 9th to have an incredible experience with others on this same soul recovery journey. Two full days of immersion in the soul recovery process where you will indeed leave transformed. You will be able to truly let go of these old pains and step into a new way of being. Check out the show notes for a coupon code and how to register. Welcome back to the Recovery Soul podcast. I am really excited to bring you today's episode. This is an interview with Kristen Morrison. She's a life and business coach and has two fabulous podcasts. One is Prosperous Pet Business and the other is Business Pathfinder. We met through the podcasting arena and when we connected, we could feel we had something to offer each other and that we were both doing soul recovery in our own way. And she She shared with me very openly and vulnerably her own soul recovery journey and was willing to come here and share it with you. It has to do with her working through 12-step in love addiction. And this is a place where codependency and the need for somebody else to fill us up and how we can get obsessed and in a place that is unhealthy around how we want our relationships, especially our romantic relationships to be. And she worked through this in a really powerful process that took time for her to do recovery. And at the end, she has come out of it with a happy and successful and fulfilling marriage. Her story is really profound, and I know that you're going to get a lot out of it. So I want to thank Kristen for her vulnerability and her willingness to come and share this very private part of her life and share it with the soul recovery community. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, codependency, and control addiction. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we need to turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on our inner change and healing. Positive results in our lives will follow. Welcome back to Recover Your Soul. I'm Reverend Rachel Harrison, and I'm honored and privileged to, to have a guest on this episode of the Recover Your Soul podcast. I have Kristen Morrison with me today. Say hi, Kristen. Hello. And I wanted to have her on the podcast because this soul recovery journey is so unique to all of us, and yet it's the same. And yet we're all learning and growing. And she has her own soul recovery journey that I thought would really be powerful to share with the community. So I really appreciate your coming on and being willing to be open and vulnerable and and share your experience with us. I'm happy to be here. It's interesting. I am feeling a little bit nervous. I'm used to being in the driver's seat in terms of being the host right. of a podcast. And so, and this topic is very vulnerable. Yes. And it is so important in terms of soul recovery. And so with the vulnerability comes deep awareness Mm. and strength. I just feel like this has been one of the biggest parts of my own soul recovery journey. So I feel really happy to be here and to also be in your presence, Rachel. Thank you. Yeah. To be talking about this today. Tell me a little bit about how you found the Recovery Soul podcast in the first place. And I often say that none of this is accidental. It is all the guidance of our higher power that brings us full circle to these experiences. So how did you find Recover Your Soul and interest in this community? Yeah, so it came about through a business 
channel in terms of finding you on a podcast host Facebook group. That's right. And yeah, and I was curious about you and I checked out your Facebook profile and I realized, oh, wow, not only are we both podcasters, but we have the 12 step recovery community, you know, and healing as part of our connection too. And so I listened to your podcast and I fell in love with it. And through the podcast really found myself just feeling this deep sense of calm and hearing your voice Mm -hmm. and what you were sharing. And not only what you were sharing, but the way you were sharing it, there's such a groundedness and clarity that comes through each episode. That's what I'm experiencing when I listen to it and when I listen to you. And so I reached out to you. You had a coaching session that you were offering. And I thought, you know, I rarely get coached myself. And I felt like this is something that could really be an opportunity for me to get to connect on a deeper level with you. And I did. And it was really powerful and wonderful. And so that's how I found you. I love it. See, I love how it just happens that it it happens in ways that we may not know, which is the evidence that the universe is always supporting us if we let it. Yes. Always supporting us if we let it. And, and you're an inspiration to me as a woman business owner and as a podcaster who is helping develop people in the pet industry and now in businesses. What I love about especially women coming together in this context is to support each other, to help each other thrive instead of leaning into old patterns that say, mm-hmm. oh, you're competition, or I shouldn't give you secrets, or mm-hmm. I really felt immediately with the two of us that there was a connection of how can we help each other be our best selves? And and that's one of my favorite parts of mm-hmm. being able to support people. Yeah, I have chills as you say that, um, especially in the pet industry. So I started coaching initially in the pet industry in the year 2000. I had my own pet business and I started coaching pet business owners. And there is and like kind of jaw-dropping <laughs> competition um, that I was aware of in my own business, just noticing other business owners there's like a fierceness of competition. And then, yeah, business owners with each other in terms of the pet industry. And I don't know that it's so prevalent. I think it's prevalent, but I don't know that it's as prevalent as it is in the pet industry for some reason. I'm not quite sure why that is, but that was my first connection to that. And it really was unsettling to me Mm. because I am of the mind and I think you might be also of collaboration and how can we help each other and lift each other up in a way that allows all of us to thrive. And what I told a lot of my coaching clients who were very afraid of the scarcity that there wouldn't be enough business is I would say there are more pets than children, you know, in the world here. And so there's enough for everyone. And if you're doing the best possible job that you can do, you are going to find your people, you know, get out of the focus on other people and what they're doing and bring the focus back to yourself which is, I think, a big part of soul recovery. Absolutely. (laughs) It's like, okay, bring the focus back, sweetheart. You with you. What are you doing in the world? How are you building and growing your business if you have one? How are you creating a rich, wonderful, soulful life? Yeah. And when our focus is so on the other person, We're not focused on ourselves. There's no way to hold our own attention while still looking at somebody else. There's a famous quote, I'm not going to remember who said it, but it's comparison or 
competition is the thief of joy. Yes. And one of my favorite quotes that I heard, just wisdom, I guess, is there's enough for everyone. And if we come from that place that there's enough love, enough money, there's enough business, there's enough of everything, instead of thinking, if you have, then I don't have. Yes. It changes everything. Yeah. Everything. It really does. And it also creates a softness and a receptivity. When we are grasping, our hands are closed, right? Metaphorically and probably physically. (laughs) Right. And so when we're open and we're opening our hands, we're opening our heart, we're opening our mind and awareness to possibility, then there's a receptivity to receive what wants to come to us. I love that. I love the visual of the clasped fist means that nothing can get in there. That's right. There's no space for anything. That's right. Yeah. And our mind may be closed as well. Mm -hmm. And our heart may be closed as well. And so how can we begin? And maybe it starts with the hands, right? Even just opening the hands and feeling the air kind of swirling onto the palms. Mm. That's a form of receptivity, right? Right. Yeah. It's the beginning of perhaps letting what wants to come to come. We are often the only ones who are getting in our own way, you know, and I think when we can get out of our own way by being receptive, by being open, by switching our mindset, you know, which is not an easy task (laughs) because the mindset is like the groove, the neural pathway that is, can be really ingrained. Right. And it's lifting that up, you know, if it's a needle on a record and putting it on a new song or maybe even a new record entirely that's of our own making rather than what we've kind of fallen into through our role models, noticing, you know, how our parents were raising us and their beliefs getting transformed onto us. We can begin to come into our own awareness of what we want. How did you come to this for yourself? One of the reasons we thought it'd be wonderful to bring you on is Mm -hmm. soul recovery has a lot of the audience that have come from addictions in some form. And, and the truth is we all have places where we check out to not feel or to take control or to reward ourselves that become destructive behaviors what was what was your journey to coming to this place where you have this loving relationship, where you have clarity of mind, where mm-hmm. you are one of the the light workers, one of the teachers? Thank you. Um, yeah, I also feel like I'm a student too, you know, a continual student as well as a teacher. So I just want to share that. Me too. Yes, I I figured you did. I I feel that with you. So it actually started with my business. And then I would love to talk a little bit about relationship addiction Mm -hmm. and love addiction. So the mindset work began with me being aware of how I had a business. I started my first business, which was the pet business. I had a pet sitting and dog walking business. I started that in my mid twenties and didn't know how to run a business, didn't know what I was doing, but knew and really experienced loving animals, loving having autonomy, being my own boss. That was just delicious for me. And so in those ways, I felt like I was really thriving. However, the financial part of it, I wasn't thriving. I was really Mm -hmm. struggling in a lot of ways. And what I realized when I really sat down with myself is that I had a lot of beliefs around money and that working hard was a belief that I had, that I had to work hard in order to make money. As I began really exploring that within myself, I realized the question for myself was, is that truly my belief? It actually felt like it was someone else's that wasn't me. And when I thought about it and really felt into it, I realized that 
you know, my dad, God bless him. He worked very hard. He was always exhausted. I rarely saw him relaxing. In fact, I don't even know if I ever saw him relaxing. He would fall into a very deep sleep in terms of naps. That was when he would finally let himself go, but he never just hung out and connected, you know, and and really allowed himself to sink into what he had created, which was he had created a lot of abundance and financial prosperity. Um, He was always working hard. And so I had unconsciously taken that on. Making money is hard. That was my belief. And when I looked around at all the business owners in my life, didn't have very many at the time, but I realized they all had either time or money. They didn't have both. And I wanted to create a life that had both. You know, if they were working very hard, they didn't have time. If they had time, they didn't have a lot of money or clients or customers. And so I began to really begin with my mindset. And I feel like anytime we want to make a big shift in our life and our business, it really needs to start with the mind because how we see things and how we internalize things is how our life is created. It's like Jung said, you know, the inner gets reflected on the outer. And I really believe that. Yeah, our and thoughts so I, and beliefs are I, so powerful. Oh, so, they so are. Powerful. I have chills. And they get created through our actions. It's not just like, oh, you know, yes, I am very woo-woo, but I'm also very logical. It's not like, oh, we create our thoughts and then, oh, things happen. You know, create a vision board and then just sit back. It's like, no, from the vision board often becomes an action, from a belief of changing our belief often becomes an action. And so to fast forward, I began to really look at that belief of making money is hard. And I began to really switch it on its side, like making money is easy. How can that be true in my life? How has that been true? You know, where has that shown up? And I began to see ways that it was showing up. And really acknowledging that and thanking the universe for those easy ways and began to really say to myself, making money is easy. And it began to show up in my life in miraculous ways. And I began taking action to help it show up. I began hiring managers, really great staff members who assisted me, who really helped me have an easier life. And so fast forward to my early 30s, you know, I was at that point really thriving in business. I was coaching a number of people, pet business owners, but also expanding to coaching all types of business owners and had written some books. And, you know, on the outside, people saw that I was thriving and I was successful. I say that in quotes, right? Because success is really what we deem successful, right? It's important to bring that back to ourselves. Do we see ourselves as successful for the barometers that matter to us? One of the most important barometers of success for me was relationship. Mm. And that was not a way that I was successful. I had been engaged um, in my late 20s and that engagement had been broken through both of us realizing it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. But that was very painful for me and embarrassing. You know, I had a lot of shame and embarrassment around that. When I look back now, I think, oh, what a gift, you know, and I'm sure he does too. <laughs> you know, that was not a right match. But what happened for me is I began really choosing, it's like my picker was off in terms of men. And I began choosing really unavailable men and yearning for them. Do you think that had to do with a belief system that was erroneous in the same way that your belief system was in terms of the money? I do. Um, I think part of it was that I think I didn't feel like I deserved true love. Mm. Um, And so I had to really work with that. I also had to work with my beliefs that I was too old to fall in love, you know, or all of those beliefs that are 
kind of societal beliefs that if we're not careful and aware, we can be susceptible to those. So it's again, coming back to ourselves. I think a big part for me was though, really looking at the childhood patterns in my early years. And I had this experience of, you know, I was seven and nine years old when my brothers were each born, my younger brothers. And what I made that mean when my mom's attention went to my brothers, which it had to do because they were young, is she doesn't love me. Mm. She does not love me. And I really carried that inside me for many, many years and made that mean that I was unlovable. I made that mean that I was not worthy of love. Mm. And as I began to do, you know, the real deep inner work around love addiction and really looking at, you know, and that started because I began seeing, oh my gosh, this is a pattern. Here I am with an unavailable man yet again. Right. Yet again, I have told myself, it's like, when people are alcoholics, right? They say, I'm not going to drink tonight, or I'm not going to drink today. And then what do they do? They drink, right? It's like, they almost can't help themselves. It was like that for me, as real as that, where I would say, I'm not going to be involved with yet another unavailable man. I'm done. It's too painful. You know, how I would feel is I would be thinking about them a lot. I would be wanting to be with them. They wouldn't want to be with me. You know, there was a lot of shame that was created for me Mm -hmm. as a result of feeling like I wasn't lovable or I wasn't worthy of love. And And they were proving it. They were proving proving it it over and over and over. And so it's, Like if we don't change the beliefs, and it's really not just about changing the beliefs in my experience, it's really about looking at those deeper patterns that came from our childhood, right? If we don't do that inner excavation, and that is not an easy job, let me tell you, and I know you know that, Rachel, Mm -hmm. if we don't do that inner excavation and really dismantle that really shaky foundation that we created as a result of those beliefs and really look at why we are worthy worthy of love simply by being a human being who is alive on this planet mm-hmm. and begin to tap into our worthiness. And, you know, if we don't do that inner work, it's going to be really hard to shift the patterns because if we're building something on a shaky foundation of those beliefs and those awarenesses, then it's going to crumble. Right. And so what I began doing, I went into Love Addicts Anonymous and began, and that was really like embarrassing for me. It's like, oh my God, who is a love addict? Like that is weird, you know, but the way I found it was through reading a book called Women Who Love Too Much. Mm-hmm. Somebody had turned me on to that book. In the back of the book was, if you are still struggling with this after reading this book, check out Love Addicts Anonymous. And so I did. I, I actually you know, kind of explored it in my area where I lived at the time. And I was like, I, that's all I did. And then I got into another unhealthy relationship. And, you know, after three months, it ended so predictable. (laughs) And I was once again in pain. And I, you know, I realized at that point, if I don't shift this, I am going to continue to do this till my dying days, most likely. And that is causing destruction for every single area of my life. Because my focus was solely on this person who was not available. I was sort of coasting in my business. I was sort of coasting in my life. But I wasn't really thriving in the areas that I could. And I had this awareness once 
when I was really doing the inner excavation work around love addiction, which was like, if I can crack this code through the assistance of my higher power, the love addiction community, you know, through not just my own willpower, right? Mm -hmm. But really searching for the answers and finding them. If I can crack that code, ah, there's no end to what I could do. Mm. Like I thought if I've created what I have through like, in my mind, kind of limping along because my focus had been so focused on these men, right? Then the sky's the limit of what I could create. Yeah. It was so powerful. And so what I did was I really made a conscious choice to not get involved with anyone for at least a year as I was doing this work. And I remember I was living in this little cottage at the time. I had a fireplace. It was winter time at the beginning of this, you know, year long process. I mean, it continued beyond that, but the year was so important of like, containing myself, not allowing myself to get involved. It's like an alcoholic saying, I am not going to drink no matter what. Same thing, right? Abstaining, abstaining Uh, from unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Yes. And so I sequestered myself and I basically did very little except go to meetings and do, you know, journal writing and really doing the inner excavation work around how did I get here? And I remember I had a fire going in the fireplace. It was winter time. I had all the shades drawn. I was creating this cocoon for myself, you know, both inner and outer. And I was just crying a lot. And I knew it was like I was going into the pit of despair. Mm. But I knew if I didn't go down into that pit, I would not change this pattern. It's like I had to go down into the depths of my soul. Wow. Into that darkness, into that dankness, mm-hmm. into that wetness of the inner earth that was me, you know? metaphorically and really it felt like almost physically going down there and really looking at the monsters and what I saw I saw Gollum down there you know from the Hobbit oh my pretty Mm -hmm. you know and the ring and I wanted the ring I wanted to get married If you're ready for soul recovery, as a spiritual coach, I can support your healing to help make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. You can also work in smaller groups by taking a deep dive in a Zoom workshop or with me in person at a retreat or an event. Join others on the soul recovery path once a month for the free Zoom support group or daily on the private Facebook page. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions with me or find all the information you need about soul recovery, dates that are coming up, and how to register for those groups and workshops. To support the podcast and the community, check the links in the show notes to make a small monthly donation or a one-time donation of your choice that will make a huge impact to support this community and the soul recovery mission. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. And, you know, the the ring was an external happiness that would finally solve it all. Was that what it did initially? It was like Gollum was was protecting that ring. Mm -hmm. And yet what I realized is actually, if I'm looking for even that man who is a healthy man, I'm still going to be where I am now. I'm saying it from that perspective, from then the past, because my focus is still going to be outward, searching for that love. Um, the healthy man, again, going back to what we have on the inside is created on, is reflected on the outside, mm-hmm. right? What is inner is reflected outer. And so 
for me initially, it was like, oh, if I get married, you know, Gollum is symbolic of he's holding the ring. Right. I want the ring. He's not giving it to me. But that was just another monster that I had to face and really see that, yes, that is a soul desire for me. It's a heart's desire. Whether that desire gets met or not is yet to be seen is how I was feeling then. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to actually be willing to let that dream go for now and really, once again, bring the focus on what is keeping me stuck here? Oh, it's my pattern of unworthiness that is creating these men deeming me unworthy. You know, I actually had two experiences in terms of relationship. I either had men who were unavailable who I wanted to be with, or I had men that wanted to be with me who I didn't want to be with. Mm. I didn't have that coming together of, I want to be with you, the man saying, and me saying, I want to be with you and us meeting on that plane of equality in terms of our loving each other. And so doing that year-long process, of going into the pit, facing my deepest darkness, and it was dark, let me tell you. You know, there was some childhood trauma that I really had to face. And it's still a process of me, you know, facing it. And it may be a process till the end of my life, right? Because it was really challenging and hard. Did you have somebody, a sponsor or somebody that was helping you work through it? Or did you go through this on your own accord? Um, I did have a sponsor in, you know, the love addiction recovery 12 step group. Yes. I had a sponsor. I also had a therapist who was a really powerful therapist. She was a primal therapist. So what I realized is I had a lot of anger that was also keeping me stuck. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a lot of anger that was trapped deep inside and there was a lot of sadness when I went into the pit, you know, through that year long process, but there was also a lot of anger. And sometimes those two are connected. You know, the, the anger can be easier in some ways to access for some people, including me, than right. the sadness, which feels more vulnerable. Right. Yeah. And so sometimes the anger can be the gateway to the sadness. Right. And my primal therapist really helped me tap into the anger around what had happened to me as a kid. Yeah. You know, and some of it was of my own belief, what I made, you know, my mom's emotional neglect of me mean, but also there was some real neglect that it happened that I really needed to face. And I really needed to tap into that anger because if I didn't, that anger was going sideways. It would come out, you know, somebody would cut in line at the supermarket and it would like, rah, you know, <laughs> come out. And it's like, oh, this, you know, if it's hysterical, it's historical. You've heard that term, right? It's like, if it's coming out and it's so intense, okay, where is this from my past, which is something that I haven't dealt with yet? Yeah, I think of them as our younger self ghosts. That, yes, that are still with us until they have had their voice until they've been seen. Mm -hmm. When I work with people, we do a lot of going back and looking at these younger parts of ourselves. Because I think we can get stuck in ruminating about the past. But I I think that's very different than going into this, you know, profound place that you went into and we're willing to look at. It says, what are the core beliefs that I have? That's why, right. Why is this my operating system? And do I want to change? That's do right. I want to do something different because if you don't want to heal, you will not mm -hmm. change. That's right. And the pain became 
more profound than whatever I was deriving from these relationships initially. You know, that heady, I'm in love feeling, which can be so just intoxicating, right? Like as intoxicating as any drug out there, truly. And so, but the pain became more intense than the intoxication. And I began to pay attention to the pain. And I began to see, you know, I keep going into victim here. Oh, you know, I'm with another guy who's unavailable. Well, what am I doing to shift that? Mm -hmm. And this is a pattern here. How can I begin to create change? Because I think there is something to people that initially are looking at their patterns they and I also needed to go into victimhood first. <laughs> you know, it was like, ouch, why, you know, this is so unfair. It, you know, that can sometimes be the portal to actually beginning to look at our part. But what can be destructive and unproductive is if we keep going into victimhood around whatever pattern is happening over and over and over in our lives. And guess what? That is not fun to be around. Like no one wants to be around a victim. I don't even want to be with myself when I'm being a victim. You know, I'd love to get away from myself. So how can we begin to transition that to a place of noticing, you know, where are we a part of this equation? that is actually opening the door to it happening again and again and again. And we may need help with that. I sure did. I couldn't do it on my own. There were parts that I absolutely needed to do on my own. Right. That soul, in a way, that old soul death, right, going into the pit was my way of needing to really acknowledge what had happened to me as a kid that was such an uncomfortable journey. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I think if there's a pattern that is happening, whoever is listening today may actually need to go into their own pit and nobody else can do that for you. And a guide helps you see it and move through it in ways that don't continue the destructive behaviors because that's right. When we do it by ourselves, I think we can get caught up in the loop of trying to move forward but we're really still living from that operating system. Yes. And so it doesn't necessarily mean you have to work with someone one-on-one, -on -one, but that there's, there's some guidance. What was the marker? What was the change in you that brought you to wholeness, that brought you to being able to see your worthiness, to step out of that? Yeah. So that year was pivotal for me. You know, being in a community of other people, who were also going through their own soul recovery when it came to Facing Love Addiction, which mm -hmm. is also a very powerful book with that title, Facing Love Addiction. You know, I began to really bring a level of consciousness to whoever I was dating. <laughs> like, I was a different person. There was Kristen before that year long process and there was Kristen after. It really was like before and after. Like, you know, some of these weight loss pictures that people post, you know, if somebody had seen the difference in me, it would have been profound if they could have looked into my soul. And it didn't happen, unfortunately, right away. You know, me meeting the person who is now my husband. I wanted it to. I still found myself, you know, yearning for that partner. And so I really had to dissect, you know, how much is this a human's desire to be in a relationship, a romantic relationship? And how much is this that old part of me that wants a partner to fix me? Mm. And so that was where I was, you know, in that process was really looking at, you know, wanting to be in a relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. That's like a human need to feel connected, 
to feel supported, to feel that foundation of marriage, if that's a choice or a desire, which it was for me. Um, but I had to untangle that from, oh, here I go again, you know, wanting the focus to be on when's my partner showing up, my true life partner. Right. And so it took about 10 years. You know, I wish I could say it happened <laughs> a year after that I met my husband. That wasn't the case for me. It is the case for some people who do this deep inner work. Um, but what happened was I began to create more and more wholeness in myself. And at one point, I, I woke up in 2013, it was January 1st. I have a lot of pivotal moments happen on the first of the year for mm -hmm. me. Some people don't. I do. Um, I almost always make goals for the year. And I had had a goal on my list to meet and marry my partner. You know, that was just a really important desire for me. And it felt like a healthy desire. You know, I'd had that on my list for the last two years prior to that. I woke up January 1st, 2013, and I realized I wanted to expend time, money, and energy to find my partner. I had expended time, money, and energy to create the incredible business I had. I was working with coaching clients from all over the world, helping people. I had written a number of books. I had a podcast. You know, there were all these things that I had created that I had put time and energy and money toward, but I hadn't done that in terms of my romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. And I realized if I say I want to create a relationship, what am I actually doing? What's the work that I'm doing? to begin to create that. And so before I went on a dating app, <laughs> I actually began to look at what are some inner beliefs that I have around marriage. I had looked at them around romantic relationship. And it wasn't that I hadn't been in a relationship for the last 10 years I had, but it just they weren't relationships that were headed toward marriage that, you know, I really felt like, okay, this is the person I want to be with in terms of marriage. And so I began really looking at my inner beliefs around marriage, which was, I felt like I am too old to be married. Mm. I was over 40, 42 at the time. And I felt like, oh my gosh, that was a belief that I had to really get clear around and I had to turn it on its side and it turning it on its side was what if I'm the perfect age to get married? And that felt true or tr even truer than I'm too old to get married. I'm too old to get married was societal's belief. That is a cloak. I do not want to wear. Mm -hmm. That is an old coat that is not me. And so I began to really look at, I'm the perfect age to get married. And I began to say an affirmation. Let me see if I can remember it because it was a number of years ago now. I am in a healthy and loving relationship with a man who loves and adores me and who I love and adore. Mm. And I began to say that I would go on a hike every day for an hour and I would say that out loud whenever I was away from people. Right. You know, if I heard people coming, I would stop saying it out loud, but I would say it in my mind. Mm -hmm. And then I began switching it to marriage. Mm -hmm. And that felt really like I am in a healthy and loving marriage. And it was like, oh my gosh, that feels weird. But let me try it on. Let me put on this new coat. You know what I love about this is a, the admission and thank you for the, you know, the honesty of how long sometimes the process takes. Cause I think that we think that change is going to happen immediately and overnight. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what it is that we're working on in our soul development, our soul recovery, it is a slow and steady process and, and it has so many facets and layers to it. It's like, even once you start to really understand your worthiness, 
you're still looking at belief patterns. You're still mm-hmm. looking at structures of what patterns do I have? And it's a, it's a journey and not a destination. And so yes. even my assumption would be that now that you have found your love life partner, it's not like all of a sudden a magic wand was brought out and there's no problems to be had in the world. It's, That's it's a right. continued journey. That's right. I did and not my- get caught in the addiction. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I did meet my husband nine months later. I met him on August 31st, 2013. So literally like nine Mm -hmm. months to the day, it was a trip. You know, there was a, a new birth for me in that nine months of really believing that I was worthy of marriage. Like that was another layer that I had to really look at. And I had a lot of shame, interestingly enough, admitting that I wanted to be married. It felt like kind of a secret Mm. that I was holding, but I began telling friends kind of sheepishly, I want to be married. And they'd be like, oh, that's great. And it was like, do you understand how terrifying this is for me to say this, you know? Um, And there are deeper layers, you know, Spencer and I have been married now for 10 years and well, be 10 years in September. Oh, that's not right. No, we, sorry. We've been together 10 years Mm -hmm. in August. We will have been married for five years in uh, September. And he is, he is a wonderful human being. I feel grateful every day to be with him. Is it easy? Oh my gosh, no. Is it absolutely wonderful to love and be loved? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Do I need to look at, you know, patterns, codependency, all of that, you know, on a somewhat daily basis? Yes, I do. And, you know, the biggest thing for me, actually, interestingly enough, because I had so much loneliness that was, present for me in that year. And and even after that year Mm -hmm. that I had to really face, that was part of the pit for me was that despair and loneliness. What I realized is now being married, I sometimes yearn to be alone, Mm. like on such a deep level. And when we were engaged, I had to tell my husband, I am going to actually need to go away for a few days each month because I need to come back to myself at that deep level. And that helps me be my true self when I'm with you, like my whole true self. And so I've done that nearly every month. I go away or he goes away. You know, we live in two places. We live in Hawaii in Northern California. And so right now he's actually in Northern California. I'm in Hawaii. So I'm getting my alone time, you know, this time, this month is through him going away. But that was something that I really needed to say to him. And I felt afraid. I felt afraid that he would say, well, that's not a marriage, you know, my wife going away every month. And, you know, it was not easy for him to say, okay, you know, but I knew that I couldn't get married without that because it is so important to me. It's an integral part of my being to be able to come back to myself, truly myself each month. I think that's powerful because I I relate a lot to that. I was an only child and you had an only child existence for such a period of time until your siblings came that I need my space to be able to recenter. Yes. Now that I have more clarity about that and I can ask for it, it feels very different than rejecting others. Yes. And it's taken Mm -hmm. work for us to navigate through what that looks like because we can ask for space in a healthy way or we can reject because we're needing to take care of ourselves. So part of this, you know, healing process is us being able to voice those things and recognize them. And codependency is so easy to fall back into because we're terrified of not being loved and being alone. That's right. That's right. I love how you just voiced 
being able to articulate what you need Mm -hmm. instead of rejection. Because even though this was something that my husband had agreed to before we got married, as I began doing it, he began to feel rejected. Mm -hmm. And the pattern became that we would get into a fight. Like as the date was coming that I was going to be going away, we would fight. And Mm -hmm. it's like, we had to bring awareness to this is happening. And you know, what can I do not in a codependent way, but in a loving way with my wonderful partner, what can I do to help him feel more, uh, just less abandoned, right? You know, there's certain things that I can't do. That's an inner journey for him. Right. But there may be certain ways. Maybe I can spend some quality time with him the day before I go away where he Mm -hmm. feels filled up with me Mm -hmm. and connected Mm -hmm. so that we're not creating a fight as a rejection so that we're both angry and then we're both not getting what we need. (laughs) Then you're just ruminating about the relationship in your quiet time versus replenishing your spirit. That's right. The replenishing of the spirit is so important. Yeah. And, you know, I want to share something because I think you'll really appreciate this. I recently went on a three-week retreat to a health center that was, you know, I've never actually been away for three weeks from my husband since, you know, we had met. And that was something that was hard for him initially to, you know, say, okay, but you know, I knew I needed it and he knew I needed it. And so he really was supportive, you know, not initially, but then he got it. And it's not like he gets to call the shots in our relationship. It's not like that. But I do, whenever I'm setting these things, I want it to be something that we're both talking through and at least coming to an agreement together, because that to me is a marriage. It's not me saying, I'm going to do this. Right. And not caring what, like how he feels. It's, it's like bringing him intimacy in. to have That's those right. kinds of conversations. Yeah. yeah. Even though I may want to say I'm doing this, I'm learning a different way of like, here's what I'd like to do. Let's talk about this. How, what does this bring up for you? And so anyway, I ended up going away on this retreat and it was so powerful for me. I did breath work almost every day. Mm. And it, you know, what breath work is, is it's circular breathing. It's really kind of this whole body meditation, you know, that to me is just incredibly powerful. It gets me out of my own way in some ways. And what I heard while I was doing a breath work session, which I hear messages, you know, it's just, it's not like, Kristen, you know, it's not like that, but it's like from an inner knowing or an inner place. Yeah, you're nodding. So I I get that you probably feel that and hear that too. So what I heard is you are safe. And, you know, I was talking back to this voice, like, of course I'm safe, you know, while I'm doing the breath work. And it's like, no, you are safe. Hmm. And I realized that even with all this recovery work that I've done, so much therapy, breath work, 12-step work, you know, all of it, journal writing, you know, all of this work that I've done, I still had this part of myself that felt like I wasn't safe. Wow. It was so powerful. And I came away from that particular breath work, noticing how that lack of safety that I was carrying somatically in my body Mm -hmm. that I actually had felt a release from, from that breathwork session, how I was living very differently. And I felt some part of me that had been holding on, letting go. And when I came back from that retreat, I told my husband about that experience. And he really got it. Mm. He said, you look different. You feel different. I feel like you feel even safer with me now. Mm. That awareness of releasing that feeling of 
lack of safety, you know, and stepping into this place of safety from within, I feel like has impacted so many areas of my life, even in these few months that I've been in this place since that experience a few months ago. I love that. Oh, there are layers, you know. That's exactly what I was going to say. It just, every time I feel like I hit a new awareness and something else comes, instead of being irritated that another thing has come, I'm more open all the time to what part of me do I still need tenderness to? What part of me still needs compassion? What am I learning And when those gifts of connection with the divine happen and our higher power can touch us in those ways, the the shift is so profound. Mm -hmm. And and it's just, it's beautiful. And I love how you can communicate with your husband around what's happening. And and I'm sitting here looking at you with your beautiful Hawaii backdrop, you know, on the screened porch. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And I just am, I so appreciate your sharing your journey because I think so many people will relate to it in so many ways around relationship and, and going within and giving ourselves grace. And, you know, on the outside, through all of this, you were continuing to have from the outside success. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't mean that one place of us can be very full and very engaging and another place can can be needing work and it's about being kind to all of it yeah so that so that we can integrate even more and more and every time we grow in one area it's also going to grow the other area oh true i love that yeah when i'm working with my business coaching clients i'm saying this work that we're doing here in business because we do some soul recovery work in the business coaching, right? And, you know, I say this work that we're doing here with your business is going to impact your personal life. Just wait and see. You setting that boundary with this client is going to have a ripple effect to every area of your life. When we do something in one area, it absolutely has impact, right? Yeah. And so there's cause for celebration, really. If we can look at, oh, I have another area that needs to be worked on. Yes. And there's probably going to be a profound and even wonderful impact if we're willing to go through it rather than skirt around it. Exactly. But it takes work and it is usually very uncomfortable. You know, there can be an ego death (laughs) that's like, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to give up maybe my victim. Like, who am I without my victim? Who am I thriving? I don't know what that, you know, what if, what if we say, I don't know what that looks like, right? Well, you're going to find out Mm -hmm. if you're willing to let that victim go. Yeah. If you're going to be willing to set that victim down and be uncomfortable until you get to that place of thriving. And I also love that you had clarity around using affirmation and the knowledge that your mind is powerful. Oh, yes. To be able to have clarity of how to tune our tuner to get to where we want to go. That's right. Yeah, but it's tools. it is. And it's, you know, not just affirmations. It's really about doing the inner and outer work too. So, you know, the affirmations kind of, I feel like set us on the right course and point us in the right direction. And they are absolutely important and they're in tandem, right? With doing the inner and outer work. Yes. And taking actions. You've mentioned that in the beginning, which is, I love Edwin Gaines was a prosperity person from way, way back, this Southern woman. And Uh this was before we had the internet. And she said, you know, you don't just call the catalog company and say, send me something you think I'd like. Uh Said you have to have clarity and then you may have to go to the store and go pick it up. That's right. No, like you, you can't just sit on your couch and expect, you know, the money truck to come and back up and, and 
pour millions of dollars into your house. That's you have right. to, you have to do the work. And so I think yeah. this awareness of how it all fits together and just being kind to the process is so powerful. Yes. And I think, you know, looking at relationship too, it's not just about me doing that inner work. For me, it was going online and actually putting myself out there, which was yet another vulnerable action. Okay. I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to look for a partner. I'm going to get an action about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take steps. That's right. Well, how do people learn more about you? Give us how to okay, how okay. to find more Kristen. Okay. So I have a website, kristinmorrison.com. It's K-R-I-S-T-I-N. Everybody wants to put that E in there, but it's kristinmorrison.com. And I have a, a podcast called Business Pathfinder, which is recorded coaching sessions with business owners who have agreed to be coached on the podcast all types of business owners. And uh, if anybody wants to apply to be coached on the podcast, I would be happy to work with you. My podcast team reviews the applications and we choose the people who are going to be coached. So Business Pathfinder, I also have a podcast for pet business owners, which is called Prosperous Pet Business. And I have a website called Six Figure Pet Business Academy. So I work with both pet business owners and all types of business owners. And I'm on Instagram at Coach Kristen Morrison. And I love how I've listened to some of your podcast episodes. And just like this podcast, you may come for one thing and there's other things to be gleaned from it because ultimately we're all having such a similar experience in our different ways and yes. you can you can apply it in such universal ways so that even if you're looking at one thing you can end up applying it in another way so i encourage you to give it a listen and check it out and and i just am so grateful for this time with you i really appreciate you're spending your time with me today. Oh, what a blessing and a gift. You, I really appreciate you shining your light. I see a candle. I see two candles behind you. One is an actual candle. One is a painting of a candle. And I feel like that's you, this bright light that is just the, and the light is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Soul Podcast and being part of this amazing and growing community. If you loved this episode and you want even more, there is a bonus episode with even more content every Friday. This is by subscription. You can access that by being a Patreon member and there's three tiers of giving of your choice or an Apple Podcast subscriber. Once you have subscribed, you have access to a whole back catalog of episodes as well. These have interviews, more book studies, meditations, and even more on your soul recovery journey to help support you. So I thank you for becoming a subscriber for this additional content and how it helps support this community. If you would go to the website, recoveryoursoul.net, and I would love for you to subscribe to email updates so that you can keep posted with everything that's going on, different events, what dates are coming up, any reminders. There's only a couple emails each month. I hope you follow Recover Your Soul on social media. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, the private Facebook community page. TikTok. And if you want guided meditations, look for Reverend Rachel Harrison on Insight Timer. I really encourage you to take advantage of the one-on-one coaching. This is a unique, intuitive connection between the two of us. There are nine steps to soul recovery, and I do use those nine steps to loosely guide us through whatever you're coaching that you need. But really, it's about creating a way for you to feel comfortable around your healing of your past, looking at the situations in your life. What are the patterns? What are the beliefs that are holding you back? Breaking free from those patterns, breaking free from those beliefs, letting go of control, letting go of the people 
people around you and how they are making you feel and taking your power back, discovering who you are and who you want to be in the world and how I can support you to do this. It's actually not intended to be a long-term relationship. If you want to try a session, there is a discount code for your first session with me just to see if it feels like a good fit. I really try to keep the prices as reasonable as I can. This isn't about trying to charge what coaches do charge. This is about me being able to make a living to support you on your path. I am here to support you on your soul recovery journey. And also, you're sharing this podcast with your friends, putting five stars, leaving reviews, really sharing this with others is growing the community. This is my great mission to bring soul recovery to a larger group that we are growing and supporting each other. And every time I'm in one of our support groups, and I see all those faces on zoom, and we share with each other what's really happening in our lives, and we connect or in a workshop, it just is so profound that we're doing this work together. We are supporting each other, and the fact that I can be part of your life means a lot to me. Thank you for being part of this community. Thank you for supporting Recover Your Soul, and I know that together we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.